This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast, the last Football Friday podcast of the year, in essence. Because Super Bowl, for two weeks, you get so much and get so inundated with analysis and trends and breakdowns, et cetera, et cetera, and see, and see so much game tape and go on and on. By the time you hit Friday of Super Bowl week, you're like, I don't want to hear anymore. I don't want to see anymore. I just want to, you know, turn it out, tune it out, maybe see who makes the Hall of Fame on Saturday, and then get ready for the game. Okay? That's because it is overkill. It's two weeks of overkill. We all know that. We've all lived through it a million years, and and that's the case. So this is, in essence, the last Football Friday of the year. Championship Sunday, the final four in what has been a, I'd say, entertaining, although rather odd, uh, NFL season. The Mike Francis Podcast is always brought to you by Bet Rivers. Remember, go to the Bet Rivers app for all of your wagering needs, for all you need in entertainment, and if you chance to win, $10,000 by just putting $10 down on a same game parlay. So you get to play the board and see if you get lucky, see if you come up with the score, you, you know, get you ready for the Super Bowl boards that you all play. Uh, and I know people are trying to rule those out, but the bottom line is, hey, they're fun, you know, and people wait all year for them. So let them have a little fun. Uh, and those will abound over the next couple of weeks. So again, Bet Rivers. Go to the app, the ever-improving app for all of your wagering needs. Now, we have seen finally a little movement. We've seen Kansas City go from a hard three and a half to four. Significant. Four means most likely if you take the Ravens, you got to win by seven. And going against Mahomes at when he is an underdog is a very dangerous thing because he has been the best underdog quarterback in the Super Bowl era. He's a rare underdog, but when he's underdog, especially when he's underdog by more than three points, he has an amazing, amazing record. Now, this game, there's no question, Baltimore has been, considering San Francisco's injuries, Baltimore has been the most impressive team on the season. They've won a lot of games against good teams. They've blown out good teams. They've been very impressive. They were very impressive in the second half last week. And remember, they had been a great first-half team. Lamar Jackson was the most successful against the point spread first-half quarterback in the history of the league. And last week, it was the reverse. He had a rough first half. He's in 10-10. He should have been down 13-10. They missed the field goal. But he's 10-10 to half and comes out and puts up a big number in the second half. They rush for 200 
20-plus yards. They pound them. They put the defense on them. They did everything that you want. They got really good play from their offensive line, from their defensive line, really good game from Clowney. They uh, got a good game from their quarterback who really had been very, very poor in the postseason. And now he's got that win under his belt as he gets ready to play a Kansas City team, which you know this, is going to stand tall in this game. Nothing is going to affect Kansas City. If they got down, if they got down early by double digits, they don't care. Nothing bothers them. They're unflappable. They have come from behind as a religion. So they don't mind anything. There's no game scenario that you can present that Kansas City can't deal with. Their coach can deal with anything. Their quarterback can deal with anything. Their kicker can deal with anything. They are, their defense is improving. They have some young guys playing sensationally well. It's a well-drilled, very talented defense, a really underrated defense. And this is a terrific ball game. I'm very surprised this week how many people I've talked to who think that Baltimore is going to pound Kansas City. I think what they're going on is looking at the Baltimore running game against Houston. Don't use that as an example. And the fact that Buffalo ran the ball real well against the Chiefs. They did in the first half. A lot of that, too, was Josh Allen. Now they say, all right, it was Josh Allen, but you got to deal with Lamar. You do. You got to deal with his running. But you know what? They just beat a quarterback who can do everything. They face another quarterback who can do everything. But Lamar Jackson's not any better than Josh Allen. There's no way. He might not even be as good. He's on a close level. He's getting there. His passing game is getting there. He's going to have Andrews back. That's going to help him. He's gotten to know and like his backup tight end a lot. But you know what? Andrews is a wonderful player, so getting him back is a big positive. And the Chiefs have a couple of injuries that scare me. Now, these are going to go right up to game time. So you got to deal with these. Now, Thunio had a great game at left guard last week. I don't think he's going to play. I think Nick Allegretti is going to jump in for him at left guard. Considering how well he played at left guard last week, it's a loss. Willie Gay, who plays their spy, he is questionable. Sneed is questionable. Edwards is questionable. I would think all hands on deck, everybody but Dunia thinks plays. But remember, they got so many good performances last week from their young kids. Tranquil, Connor, Channel. These guys all played so well that, I mean, really, you got to give Kansas City so much credit for what's been accomplished there on defense. They've done such a superb job, and they have a game wrecker. And he's got to stand up and lead in this game. They need Chris Jones. They need Chris Jones at his best if they're going to pull this off. You look down and you look and you probe for weaknesses. You look at both these teams, you're not going to find a whole lot of weaknesses. Kickers. Ravens have one of the great kickers of all time. Hey, chief kicker doesn't miss kicks. He makes big kicks. He's lived in big games. 
He's been relied on in big games. Last week, he made his kicks. Buffalo didn't. Bottom line is both these kickers are going to make their kicks. Both these quarterbacks are all-world talents, but one of them has been there and done that. Jackson's trying to get to where Mahomes has already been and planted his flag twice. That's the difference. Both coaches have been there, done that. But I think Harbaugh is a superb coach. But on the other side, Andy and Spags, that is as good a coaching staff as you're going to confront anywhere, anytime. So the bottom line is there's not a lot of edges in this game. You want to say Ravens are home? Fine. I don't think it's going to bother the Chiefs. You want to say the Ravens have more ways to beat you? Maybe. But tell me, if the Chiefs are down six points with two minutes left and Mahomes takes over the ball on the 25-yard line, do you think that's a bad position for them to be in? No one in their right mind does because they've been there and they've done that. And one of the things that I think has become a very big positive, and it's one I hopped on all year, was that they needed to trust Rice to become that wide receiver. And that has happened. Rice has become his main receiver target. He's got Kelsey. We know that. Kelsey got back in the mix last week with his first big game in probably two months. Good time for it. Rice, who got a little banged up last week, he's okay. He has become their big play guy. They'll throw it to the other guys, and Pacheco is a good runner. Ravens have, have plenty of backs. Justice Hill can do the job. Cook can be a factor. Edwards on the goal line, pounds it. You know that, and you know Jackson's going to run. But Mahomes can use his legs when he has to, too, and he does in big spots. He picks his spots, but they're lethal when he does. So tell me, look at either team, and tell me where the real weaknesses are. I don't see them. This is a classic, classic battle. Classic. I would be shocked if anybody blew anybody out. Now, Ravens are home. Ravens have been much more of a blowout team this year. That would be the normal thing you would think. I don't see the Chiefs getting blown out of the game. I think their defense is better than you think. I think they'll step up and play big, and they've lived in this game. They've lived in this game for the last five or six years. They've been in this game every year. This is not anything except a normal Sunday for them now. This has become, the championship game has become this team's home. This is one win short of a dynasty. They win this thing. They win the next two games. They beat Baltimore and then beat, say, San Francisco. And, and you can say that Kansas City, has built 
a dynasty that follows the Pat dynasty. That's how much winning they would have done in the last six or seven years. I mean, you win three Super Bowls in a short time. And you're talking about the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Packers, the Patriots. You're talking about something very special. I look for the underbelly in these games. Where am I going to attack? I knew the Texans' defense would not stand up to Baltimore. I was shocked it did in the first half. It didn't in the second half. They got overrun. I expected that. I expected the Ravens to score 35 points. I don't expect Kansas City to ever shut anybody out. That's not their way. But I do believe their defense will make plays when they have to make plays. You know, last week when they needed to get stops in the fourth quarter, they got stops. And that was a very tough place to play and a very tough team to play against. Now, the X factor in this game, to me, if there is one, is just how good the Raven defense is. I'm not sure yet. I've seen moments this year where they were overpowering, and I've seen moments this year where they looked really ordinary. The Kansas City offense, uh, uh, the Raven offense against the Kansas City defense, the Kansas City defense is going to bend. It's not going to break. Special teams, I don't see any real edge. I'm not going to get on the Ravens last week because they gave up a punt return. We know both kickers are going to be great. They're both going to do the job. They're both going to do the job when they have to do the job on special teams. So I don't see any edge there. I'm not even going to give anybody a big edge in coaching, even though Andy's had the recent success. Harbaugh has been there, done that. I think he's a terrific coach. Their defense coordinator is talented. I don't see any edge in the coaching. Quarterbacks, hey, they have the MVP, and they don't win the quarterback battle. Case closed. So think about that. Digest that for a second. They have the MVP at quarterback, and they don't win the quarter. They they don't get the check mark for the quarterback position. They lose the check mark because how can you go against a guy with Mahomes's resume? You can't. He has become the quarterback in the NFL. He is the guy. They're all trying to get to where Mahomes is. So what I'm telling you, folks, is I see a really, really close game. If the Chiefs win, it would not surprise me even one iota. I think the game, I think the Ravens on the season being home deserve to be favored. But Anytime you give me this Kansas City team in the playoffs and give me Andy and Mahomes and company and give me four points, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. I took the Chiefs against the Bills last week. 
seven and three in the playoffs so far against the spread. Four and two the first week, three and one last week. Lost, lost on the Bucks last week. I lost on the Lions the week before, and I lost against the Lions last week. So the Lion games have haunted me the two weeks. Um, I think the game will be decided by a field goal at best, and I give Kansas City a 50-50 chance to win the game. I think the team, well, I think it's going to be one of those classic games where it's going to come down to the last couple of plays, just like most of these Kansas City games do. You know, you knew Buffalo and Kansas City was going to come down to the wire. It did. I think you're going to see the same thing again with Buffalo, with Kansas City and Baltimore. I'm very surprised so many people like the Ravens. Weather doesn't seem it's going to be a factor. It's going to be a little rainy, 40-something degrees, 10-mile-an-hour winds. Play ball. Give me the Chiefs plus the four. Detroit at San Francisco. I've seen seven and a half. I've seen seven. I checked three places before I started the podcast. I had two sevens and one seven and a half. So if you're shopping for San Francisco, I'm sure you can get seven. If you're shopping for Detroit, I'm sure you can find a seven and a half somewhere. One thing that is going to be a factor in this game, and I don't know how to calculate this, and it really impacts it. Debo is a huge factor in this game, and whether he plays or not makes a big difference. Whether Debo Samuels plays or not is a huge factor in this game. How so? This year, San Francisco, in games that Debo starts and finishes, they are 12-1 and one and 10-3 and three against the spread. 12-1, and 10-3. and three. In games that Debo either didn't play or didn't finish, they are 1-4 straight up and 0-5 against the spread. You got that? 10-3 against the spread with Debo in the lineup, 0-5 with him not in the lineup. Last week, no Debo. After early in the game, they hung on for day of life. Now, last week, they got hit by the rain, and Purdy cannot throw a wet ball. That was a huge factor. He will be better here because the forecast is for clear weather and 70 degrees for this game. This is going to be warm and evidently good weather, really good weather for this game. The bottom line is I think you'll see a better San Francisco team, but will Debo Samuels play? I'm going to go on the premise here that he plays because if he doesn't play, I really think you would take the points with the Lions. So understand that on Sunday, if he doesn't dress, now I checked as best I can, but remember we got a couple of days still to the game here. The game's going to be Sunday night at 6.30. He's going to try to play. He doesn't have a break. He didn't practice yet this week. He's going to try and play. That's my understanding. 
I saw Jerry Rice say he would play. I don't know if Jerry examined him. The bottom line is, usually if you can get out there, you're going to try. Even if it's less than a 100% Debo, I'll take Debo, you know, that he's there. Now, Detroit has been the best point spread team since Campbell got there. Over the last three years, they're the best point spread team in the NFL and have been incredibly consistent all three years against the spread. They've been great against the spread since he's been there. They've overachieved. That's what it tells you. And they've been able to win their games by margins at home. Now, remember this. The Lions haven't won a road playoff game since 1957. They haven't played a lot, but that, that that's what we're talking about here. They haven't won a road playoff game since 1957. And Shanahan has not lost a home playoff game. So you have that to deal with. But there's a couple of tricky things here. And I'm going to tell you this. This game... I can boil down to one thing. I'm going to take the weather out, so that's going to mean Purdy's going to throw the ball better because he can't throw a wet ball. There are plenty of go to Troy Aikman couldn't throw a wet ball. Um, the Lions got a brilliant, nothing short of brilliant offensive line performance in their win against Tampa Bay. Their tackles were spectacular. Sewell put on a clinic. Their center banged up. Ragnall played really well. They got a really good performance out of Jonah Jackson, who probably will not play this week. He went out of the game last week. When he was in the game, he, he played about 20 snaps. He played terrific, but he's doubtful for this game. That's a bit of a hit for the Lions. But the Lions offensive line, which you would have ranked right behind the Eagles this year, played brilliantly. As a matter of fact, if you want a theme here, three of the four offensive lines played spectacularly last week. The Ravens did, the, the Lions did, and so did Kansas City, which got a wonderful game from their left guard, Thune, and got a wonderful game from their center. So their offensive line played a heck of a game, and they ran the ball for like 136 yards last week. And you get people to say once and again how hard Pacheco pounds the earth. You know, when does it get tiring to make that comment? Everyone seems making the same comment about him all the time. We all know his running style by now. We've watched him for years. He's not a revelation that. We've seen him for years. Yes, we know how hard he hits the ground with his feet. We know that. We kind of all kind of taken, you know, we've all taken that into account. But the Lions are going to live behind their offensive line. And although they have a good passing attack and they have some explosive players, it's going to come down to them running the football. If they can't run the ball well, they're going to give San Francisco too much time with the football, which their secondary cannot handle. And it's going to impact them with this quarterback who has not been great outdoors in colder weather, but he's not going to get a cold game here. So I don't think he's going to be bad in this game. I'm not as worried about him as some people are. 
I think Detroit's going to be okay offensively. I think Detroit, where they're going to have trouble, is they can get cut to ribbons if the Niners are healthy. Because, let's be honest, Tampa Bay threw the ball all over the place on them. Threw the ball for 344 and three touchdowns. And could have had a couple other big plays. I mean, Mayfield threw two picks. The last pick was a bad one. Good play by the Lions. But the bottom line is, they threw the ball and had guys open. When they threw the ball on the corners, they ate them alive. Evans had a huge game. And these guys are equipped with Purdy. They have a great back, the best back in football in McCaffrey. They have a tight end who's as good as any tight end in football, two-way. And when you take his blocking into account, might be the best two-way tight end. They have 2,000-yard receivers. No team in the history of the league has had four guys on the same offense get 1,000 yards in the same season. They've had it this year. From the tight end, the running back, and both wide receivers. And their their running back is a scoring machine. He scored more than two touchdowns last week. McCaffrey's a machine. He's going to find the end zone every game. You know it's automatic. So there's no stopping that San Francisco offense, especially if Purdy doesn't have to worry about wet ball. But Debo, the one thing about there's two qualities, or let me say two Achilles heels with this San Francisco team that are very odd. One is if you take one of their key guys out of the lineup, Debo, Kittle, McCaffrey, Trent. I'm not going to count quarterbacks because if you take anybody's quarterback out, it impacts them. But you take any one of those four guys out of the lineup, they're not the same team. The other thing is the Niners don't come from behind. They are a front-running team. They don't spend a lot of time coming from behind. Now, last week, they were forced into, into a situation. But remember, when I'm talking about behind, I'm talking about going into the fourth quarter and being eight points or more down in the fourth quarter. If you look at them historically from that standpoint, they're not good. Now, that didn't happen last week. I mean, the game was, was always close. When the Packers took the lead, you know, the Niners were always, were always inhaling distance in the game. They were always inhaling distance. So from that standpoint, you know, late when they got their last touchdown, they were down 21-17 when they got the ball back. That's inhaling distance. That's not being out of it. Being behind is 10 points, third quarter, eight points, fourth quarter. That's being behind. If you have those numbers, they don't do well. They don't come back. They're not a team that has a habit. Like Kansas City comes back all the time. They don't have a habit of coming back. So they like to play from in front. Now, they played a lot of the Packer game from behind. They were behind a lot of the game because their quarterback was struggling and Green Bay was making things happen with their running game and their passing game. See, that's why you have hope for the Lions here because last week the Packers rushed for 136 yards. 
to go with Love's passing attack. 136 yards, that's a good game. If Detroit does that, they're going to be in business. Detroit has got to do two things in this game here. They have got to come out. They have got to silence the crowd. They have got to play well in the first quarter. And they have got to run the football. If they can do that, the Niners are going to come out and look to jump all over them. The Niners like to play from in front. They like to get out in the first quarter, put their 10 spot up, add a couple of scores in the second quarter, and coast home. That's their game. That's how they like to play. So the Lions have got to, when you're on the road and you're a sizable underdog, and you haven't been through this before, which the Lions haven't. Let's be honest. They haven't won a road game since 1957. They haven't been in a championship game since 1991. And they have been in very few big games. They just won two playoff games at home. Now, you can say they didn't play the toughest of opponents. Doesn't matter. They won the games. They deserve to be here. They've earned this. But they have got to stabilize the game early. If you notice in the two Packer games that the Packers stunned the Cowboys and should have beaten the Niners, they played well early. They had the lead in these games. They stunned the Cowboys right out of the gate. And in the Green Bay game, they were in good shape when you talk about it from a standpoint of scores, they were after the first quarter, it's three, nothing. It's seven, six Packers are up 13, seven in the third quarter. You have now stabilized the game where it's a game. You have gotten your feet wet. You can't come in a building like San Francisco and get hit and get knocked down early. If you do, you'll never get up. You have got to stabilize the game early. The way to do that is if you win the toss, you take the ball. You don't defer. You take the ball, and you try to run it right down the Niners' throat. And if you can do that and you mix in your passing game, now you're in business. And you let the Niners know right from the start that this is going to be a ball game. I'm going to make this selection from the standpoint of that Debo is going to play. I am telling you now that if you get up Sunday and Debo is not dressed, take the points. I think he is going to play. I don't know that at this moment. I believe considering the magnitude of the game and the fact that his injury was not as bad as originally thought, and the fat guys are saying he's going to play. I'm going to go on the premise he's going to play. He's going to play. I think the Niners are going to win the game like 30 to 20. I think the Lions will play okay. They may even have a couple of moments. I think San Francisco has too much firepower. I don't think Detroit's defense is capable of holding them down. Not if they have all their weapons in place and Purdy has a dry ball. I think there's too much for Detroit to deal with. 
I think the edge that San Francisco has over the Detroit defense is bigger than anything that Detroit has over the San Francisco defense. I think the San Francisco defense can be scored on. I don't think it's a great defense, but it can be a good defense, and then they can really get their pass rush going. They do get to the quarterback. But remember this, Goff is good against the blitz. So if you want to get there, you want to get there without blitzing him a lot. And he's got weapons. And Gibbs is a breakaway player for them. I mean, they have a couple of guys with real speed. They have plenty of guys who catch the ball. I mean, they're a good, their tight end's terrific. I mean, they got a lot of talent on offense. But they have got to get behind that terrific offensive line. Led by Sewell and Decker and Ragnar at center. And they have to run the football. And everything will come off that. The play action will come off that. The pass will come off that. And they can stay in the game. And who knows? Maybe shock the world. But I think if Debo's dressed, the Niners are going to the Super Bowl. If he's not dressed, I think you take the points and don't be shocked if that game goes right to a late late field goal. So I'm taking Kansas City plus four. I'm taking San Francisco minus the seven. And I'm going on the premise that Debo is playing. Now, couple things have happened now. We've all been watching this coaching carousel this year with the idea that where was Bill Belichick going to land? He made his intentions clear that he wanted to coach. Now, we don't know what his demands are and what he's asking for inside interviews. As a matter of fact, the only team he interviewed with was Atlanta. But as the days went on, you started to hear stuff come out that there were guys in the Atlanta organization who were poisoning Belichick's candidacy with Arthur Blank, led by, of course, McKay. No secret that he and, McKay, uh, he and Belichick don't really see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. So now Atlanta has Raheem Morris as their head coach. I like Raheem Morris. Always have. Um... He got a chance to be a head coach at a very young age. Too young. Wasn't ready. It wasn't a great situation. I thought when he went and he stepped in for Quinn and he coached those last 11 games for Atlanta, I thought he would get the job there. He didn't. Now, interestingly, now, three years later, the impression that I thought he made then comes back to get him the job now. Now he's a 47-year-old guy with a lot more experience. I think he will be a good head coach. And if he's going to bring Robinson in as his offensive coordinator, I think he's making a good choice. He's been well-schooled in the Ram passing game. The Ram passing game is brilliantly effective. Atlanta needs a good offensive coordinator, and they need to find a quarterback. They have everything else. They have the makings of a very good defense. They have plenty of game-breaking players on offense. They need a quarterback and an offensive coach. And now they have a head coach in Raheem Morris. I was surprised with Carolina's decision. They go with the Tampa Bay offensive coordinator. 
I don't know if this closes out where we are right now, closes out Ben Johnson. He might have to sit and wait another year. The Lions offensive coordinator, who everybody thought was at the top of everybody's list. Atlanta talked to Slowick a lot. He'll stay in Houston for another year. He'll get a coaching job. Ben Johnson, if he waits another year, will get a coaching job. Seattle's open. Washington, you keep hearing that maybe the Miami, I mean, the uh, Ravens defensive coordinator may go there. Surprising what happens with Belichick. It's starting to look now like he's not getting a job. Now, I thought from the beginning, as a matter of fact, with about a month left in the NFL season, I stated the perfect spot for Belichick is the Chargers. I know that their ownership had never liked to relinquish that kind of control and pay that kind of money for a coach, but I thought there's a ready-made team with a quarterback in place, and that's what Belichick needed to find was a quarterback in place. Like I think right now, and I'm not trying to get Sean McDermott, who I've always liked, fired, and he's not getting fired. His owner has come out very strongly that he's staying. But if Belichick took over the Bills tomorrow, I think they'd be in the AFC title game without a blink of an eye next year. He wouldn't have to do anything to the wide receivers, do anything to the quarterback, and he would just have to put everything else in place. And he would put the special teams and the and the defense in place. He would game plan superbly. He would make the mistakes a lot fewer. He would give them a team concept and a team continuity, and they would win. Belichick is going to be much better off with a ready-made team at this point of his life. To take over a team that needs everything wouldn't make any sense at this stage. He's 72 years old. So is Pete Carroll. It's hard to get a job at 72 because, you know, what are you looking at? Three years, four years? I mean, even if we're going to see an 80-year-old NFL coach, and that's, you know, I understand we might see an 80-year-old president. It looks like we're going to see an 80-year-old president. Um, And that's hard to fathom. Um, The bottom line is, it's hard to believe that Bill Belichick would be available and he doesn't get any coaching jobs. Now, I don't know if he turned down interviewing for some jobs or not. And you wondered if somebody would just throw over their whole situation and just bring him in because he's Bill Belichick. Well, nobody did that. Dallas didn't do it. Philly didn't do it. Buffalo didn't do it. Giants didn't do it. We know he's not going to the Jets. Um, The bottom line is, he is a guy who has won his whole life, who has been in this league every year since 1974. Think about that. Next year is 2024. That's 50 years. He's been on NFL teams for 50 years. Now, the last couple of years have damaged him. His teams have played badly. This year's team was pitiful. He has not drafted well. And I would not say the game has passed him by, but the question is, can he relate to the players the way they need to be related to right now? Even great coaches who had dynamic careers have mentioned to me that Hey, play is different now. They have to be treated differently. 
And I find that, you know, hard to take, but I'm sure it's true. The player is just different. Society is different. Life is different. So I think that is true. The old my way or the highway, you know, head coach who criticized everybody doesn't, you know, necessarily work anymore. But I still find it stunning that somebody did not jump on Bill Belichick. I have to admit, I find that stunning. The man has done nothing but win his entire life. I could tell you all the things he brought to the game, but I would be here too long. I mean, he has changed the game dramatically with his way of preparation, with his way of game planning, the way they, the biggest thing that he's brought to the league is in the old days, teams played the same way every game. It was like, we play this way, you play that way, let's play. Belichick was the first coach who changed his way of playing week to week based on the opponent. This week, we'll run it. This week, we'll come out and pass it 20 straight times. This week, we'll come out in four wides. This week, we'll come out in two tights. This week, we'll do this defensively. This week, we'll come out with, you know, big nickel. This week, we'll come out with five down linemen. So everything was changed week to week to take away the best threat and to adjust to the talent that you were playing against. And now everybody does that. That's become part and parcel of the league. The way teams attack in the fourth quarter was something that changed by what the Patriots did. The subtle things that went on in the fourth quarter of games. Sometime I'll do a podcast on all that stuff, but right now I don't want to take up all that time. But the bottom line is this. I have to say I'm stunned that despite the last couple of years that someone with that resume, and I think he's still in pretty good shape, I think he's still got some fire to burn. I think he wants to break Shula's record. I think he would have helped the team. I'm surprised. Now, will he go into TV? I don't know. I'll say this. If he wanted to be a game analyst, he'd be a terrific one. I don't know if he wants to tell you what he knows about this sport. I don't know if he wants to open up and tell you the things he knows about this sport. I think he likes the idea that it's hidden inside that hoodie. I think he likes to keep it there. And he would have been really dangerous next year because some people would have been dumb enough to underestimate him. And that would have been a colossal mistake. And listen, and he and I are not, you know, I'm not sticking up for a friend here. He and I don't get along. Never have. So I'm just telling you objectively what he is. He's a great coach. He's a legendary coach, and it's very surprising that he doesn't have anywhere to go. It really is. It's kind of bizarre. But it's a crazy league now. Imagine a guy who never coached a day, who's been a coordinator for two years, gets a job instead of Bill Belichick. It's hard to fathom. It really is. But, hey, that's the NFL. Enjoy the games this weekend. And remember, if Debo is not dressed 
at a quarter to six, take the points. If Debo's dressed, I think you lay the points. He makes that much difference for them. It's just part of who they are. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.